0: You're listening to the Bizarro Files, a Scarlet Rhapsody podcast. Welcome back to the Bizarro Files. I know it's been a while, and I know I've been, I was promising something, and what I was promising was TV. Yes, we all love TV, and we've got a bunch of new premieres to talk about, and the return of two favorites. Uh, so let's get started. It's This episode is going to be a little bit slim. It's me, uh, Bizarro, a.k.a. Jared, a.k.a. Bizarro, and the boss, Lady Scarlet.
1: Yeah, it's been a while since we've done one of these pop culture shows. We should do these more often.
0: Well, I want to kind of do a whole follow-through with, say, American Horror Story or something like that, or possibly with uh, one of the shows we're going to talk about in a little bit, whose next episode is premiering tonight, actually. Uh, but yeah, it's, I, I kind of like the TV angle on stuff, and I thought it might be kind of fun to talk about.
1: Yeah, there's been some really awesome shows that have been premiering, either returning for a new season or brand new shows that have been like on everyone's radar and everyone's buzz. Yep. So, shall we talk about like the first uh, on our list? Um, Sleepy Hollow.
0: Yeah, it was a show last year that I thought was just going to die. I, I saw it and I was like, oh, Guy transports from the past to fight the Headless Horseman in the present. That's, that's going to get, what, three episodes and Fox is going to cancel it? And nope, it did really well and Fox liked it and probably helped that the creators of the guys who did Fringe and Transformers, <laughs> but mostly Fringe. Way, mostly fringe and not that other robot movie that really
1: terrible robot movie but anyway we also wanted to forewarn you that we will be discussing spoilers so i would give you guys a week
0: a week to watch that episode
1: yeah and um we don't really have like your typical cable connection here but we do have hulu plus thank you hulu plus yeah Good times. So, when we were watching the premiere of Sleepy Hollow, it started up in a way that kind of threw us off the walls, like, wait, everything looks back to normal? Or is it?
0: Yeah, and they talked about how it had been like a year since stuff had happened. And you get this feeling like, oh, maybe they're doing a time jump so that, and then we're going to piece together the past, kind of a parallel stories kind of thing. And you really don't know what to go. And it seems to be moving really fast, and I thought, oh, great. They're, they're dumbing the show down like they did of Prison Break halfway through season one. Uh, for those who don't famously know this, uh, Prison Break did fairly well for its first four episodes, five episodes. When it came back, they, they you could tell the script had been changed a bit because in the first few episodes, they didn't explain much. A lot of things were visual cues and you had to just pay attention versus when it came back, it was like, This tattoo on my arm looks exactly like those pipes. That's how I know which pipe to break. And I'm like, yeah, but they could show your arm tattoo. It could show the pipes and we could figure that out. But they dumbed down the script of that. It was becoming like an action show. They're, they're, They're fighting the headless horsemen and they're just shooting their guns and stuff. And I was like, oh, no, this didn't become some brainless action show. It's not supposed to be. Last season wasn't brainless action. Even though, you know, machine-gun-wielding headless horseman is still amazingly awesome.
1: Yeah, and this one we got to, like, to see the whole rescue arc of, um, of, um, Abby from Purgatory, and I thought it was really interesting, and we also got to see Katrina in there, too. And I hate to skip ahead, but it also sets... The ending of the episode also sets up a new status quo for our protagonist.
0: Yep. Which I kind of liked that, and just... Uh, I just liked the little, uh, new threat that, um, the Horseman of War, I won't say who that is, but the Horseman of War, uh, gets, gets some screen time, thankfully. I'm glad he's still in the show. And he gets his own little toy to play with at the very end, which I thought was awesome and scary.
1: And I really like the whole um, sets for this episode. Like, when you get to that lair in Purgatory that Moloch is using, you see, like, all the skulls there. And all I could think of was, like, the Indiana Jones ride in Disneyland. And just, like, just all the little details they have in there to look really sinister. And I don't know. I really really enjoyed Sleepy Hollow. And even though it was, like, a 12-episode type thing last season, it might be the same case for this season. But it's just really interesting to see where this is going to go. Because one of the things I really liked about Sleepy Hollow is... Um, you had like certain episodes. They might be cons- uh, seen as filler, but they went like over like different occult stuff and tied it to um, Ichabod Crane's past during a Revolutionary War, or tied it into their battle against Moloch. And I always thought those were really interesting because. One of the th- worries I had going into Sleepy Hollow from last season was like, oh, snap, is, is this going to be like just a we're running from the Headless Horseman episode per episode because there's only so much you can do with that.
0: Yeah, and when they started to put together a mystery of, you know, kind of trying to figure out who the Headless Horseman is, uh, trying to figure out what this, you know, weird demon is and adding the whole end of the world storyline in there, it really worked last season. And so when you have to follow that up, it becomes kind of, difficult because you're always worried that they're going to do something stupid like i was afraid it was going to become a brainless action show
1: and there's still some storylines that we still need to see wrapped up because like, there's a storyline with the da's daughter and the, the chief of police's oh yeah, my bad
0: and uh, him being like i think he was arrested at the end of the last yes season for uh, att- for, for they believe for murdering his wife
1: so it's going to be interesting to see where that Goes into direction But um, yeah um, The new episode actually premieres tonight And we'll be watching the next episode And can't wait to see how the rest of the season plays out
0: And that's one of the characters I actually do want to see more About The Chief because he's Orlando Jones And he's a guy who I Basically had on my radar ever since Mad TV uh, Back when that was on the air I mean,
1: Oh yeah, he play- he was like the better Barack Obama actor out of um, SNL and Mad TV well,
0: he left Mad TV after like, two seasons, I think, but he was one of the original guys on there, and then he did a bunch of other bit work everywhere, the seven Up commercials, a couple other TV shows. And I just remember seeing him in the Sleepy Hollow. like, Orlando Jones is in this? The Orlando Jones? Um, and some voiceover too, I think, as well.
1: It's an awesome series. I highly recommend checking it out if you have if you haven't yet. Yeah, we're we're gonna try not to
0: try not to spoil too much of the events of the premiere. But I liked it. I like where it set it up. I like that we're building towards new threats and uh, potentially new directions for our heroes to move.
1: All right. Um. Speaking of Fox, another highly anticipated series, um, also premiered last week, Gotham. Jared, you're the comic book fanboy. What are your thoughts?
0: I was super worried about this show. And and for those who don't know the full history, they had been thinking about doing this show back around when Smallville came out, but to focus on a teenage Bruce Wayne and teenage versions of the various supervillains. And it sounded really angsty and bad. Thankfully, they did not go that direction of the show. Instead, it's about a young Jim Gordon uh, working alongside uh, Detective Bullock, and trying, the first episode focuses on them trying to solve the, uh, Bruce Wayne, uh, I mean, Bruce Wayne, the Thomas and Martha Wayne murder. And, um, basically it's a good way, it shows that there's all this corruption of the police force. Um, a lot of name characters you'd recognize, like, uh, uh, the Falcone family shows up, or Falcone, Falcone, however supposed to be pronounced it's Italian, I always say E at the end, because it's Italian, Whatever. whatever. Um, and little cameo by Selena Kyle I thought that was kind of cute little little girl Selena, which does usually tie in with most of her backstories that have her as like a street urchin as a child um, And he, I did like the actor for young Bruce Wayne actually I thought he was pretty good he wasn't as whiny or insufferable I mean you always get a, you're, you're always afraid you're gonna get a Jake Lloyd situation and no offense to Jake Lloyd. I've heard he's a really nice guy but he... He just looked scared and confused on the set. On oh, in, in any of his uh, little scenes in Star Wars.
1: I actually do like the feel and the set direction, the art direction of Gotham, and just how they made it look like almost like this crime war kind of um, place. Yeah, it had this
0: weird. You're not quite sure if it's anachronistic or like not. Um, it was always
1: overcast. There's no sunshine.
0: No sunshine. All the buildings had that gothic look that you'll find in you know the comics and stuff and. The, the movies that actually pay attention to what the comics look like uh, will we'll give you, that gothic, you know, these towers and, you know, buildings that almost look like they're from the Middle Ages, but they're not. And
1: I just like how the whole world is set up, is specifically when you get into Fish Mooney's um, brothel, and, like, just... Club, uh, club thingy. It looks more like a brothel.
0: It might be a brothel. They're, they're very vague on it, but you see women have g-strings walking around in the background, so...
1: And I just thought that was really interesting. That setup was really interesting. I really did like um, Jada Pinkett Smith as um, Fish Mooney.
0: Yeah, she works good and seems like her character's gonna be around for a while as something of an antagonist. And it also gave us a little introduction to Young Penguin, who I'm sure will be making a return appearance despite uh, what happens to him in this episode. And even uh, Edward Nigma as part of the Crime Lab. Because that was the Riddler's job before he, worked, he became a supervillain. He was a uh, crime—he totally wasn't, folks. He usually, in the modern age, it's, he's usually a software developer of some sort. Um, he's had that since like the '90s. Before that, I think he was some sort of other, just despondent genius. But I don't think he's ever had that crime life. That's one thing you will have to get used to, with this. if this—if you start going through saying oh, well, this kind of reminds me of Batman Year One, or this kind of reminds me of uh, this character, or that's not this character's backstory, you will go insane and hate this show. It's, It's very much a just take it as its own continuity.
1: Yeah, just sit back, relax, and enjoy the ride. Like, even though I don't know all the Batman continuities... I just felt like I really couldn't could watch a show fresh and not know much about um, Gotham or the DC universe and still enjoy it for what it is.
0: Yeah, it's just tragic that kid's gonna grow up to become. Uh, Ella. Um, shit, screw up the joke. Um, it's a sad that that kid is gonna grow up to be. Uh... Shit, who's, who's the new Batman?
1: Well, while your um, your brain settles um, on that joke, Ben Affleck
0: kid's gonna grow up to be ben affleck that's so tragic but Um, does he
1: make great husband material i saw a shirt that said so
0: yeah maybe so if you're marrying ben affleck you can't you you could do worse than a stoner who can't act um who has a trizillion dollars but i will say this you know there's little things in there I, i did like uh there's one police officer who's revealed to be corrupt that really kind of pissed me off because that character is usually not put in that category um But maybe they'll work something around that. There are aspects of this that did remind me of year one. Uh, And I liked that. Um, Specifically scenes revolving around Gordon. But uh, obviously they they kept in like the he's kind of the new guy in town and the new guy in the force. And he has these standards of, you know, how to be a police officer and no one else does. I liked that. Uh, They have his wife there, Barbara. And yes, for those wondering, Jim Gordon does have two kids, James Jr. and Barbara, named after him and his wife because whoever came up with the children's names were not particularly creative. The only actor I do not like in the entirety of this show is Barbara.
1: Yeah, I didn't like her either. She
0: can't act. She is. There are tables in that show that are less wooden than she is.
1: I also kind of like this scene where um, Montoya and Barbara interact. It's just kind of like, if you know, like... Renee Montoya's backstory, she has a thing for the ladies, and it kind of did imply something between them.
0: Yeah, which was kind of kind of nice. And I like the fact that they kind of kept that in without outright saying it, because uh, as established in uh, some of the comics, especially the comics that led into Gotham Central, she tried to keep it a secret because, you know, that could lead to people, you know, being insulting, and how the police, you know, how, how a guys club like the cops can be, They can be a little bit on the less than uh, compassionate side sometimes.
1: All right, any final thoughts on Gotham?
0: It intrigued me enough to want to continue watching at least for a few more episodes. You know, kind of like Arrow, it's just one of those things where there's going to be continuity things that are going to change. And in the case for Arrow, I think a lot of the continuity stuff they did change, they changed for the better. Uh, With this one, I got to see how it plays out because I don't know how much... If it's gonna become like a crime of the week show, is it going to be, you know, Jim Gordon versus corrupt cops every episode? I'm curious about that. I'm also curious, like, there's only so many characters you can bring into this world because most of the supervillains are like Bruce's age or maybe a little younger, maybe a little bit older. So it becomes kind of complicated when you're like, you know, hey, young Harvey Dent, how are you doing? You know, it's just like, there's only so much you can really do with that. And I I guess they could show young Bruce becoming friends with young Harvey Dent, but there's not a lot of story there. It's, hey, I'm Harvey. I'm Bruce. Want to play checkers? Okay. Like, I don't know what you get out of that.
1: One villain I do kind of see fitting in this world, um, Scarface with the, uh... The the dummy, yeah. Yeah, I I do want to see that in this world. The Ventriloquist
0: is a fairly old guy when Bruce is around, so they could do a younger version of him. Um... Other, other slightly older characters that might be kind of interesting to see. Uh, Crane, I know, is usually drawn older looking, so I wouldn't mind to see a younger Crane, even if he's just like a psychologist cameo, not even like a villain yet. Uh, just like they did with uh, Riddler, where Riddler's just kind of this scientist in the background and not really a villain yet. And depends if they want to go with Napier as the Joker. They could always have Napier as a if they want to go with that one from the Burton movies. Movie, because they killed him off because Burton killed the villains because Batman, known for killing people. Uh, that could also be an interesting one to have a younger Jack Napier doing stuff if they want to go that route for the backstory. So so there's things like that that could be interesting. And even with the murder of Bruce's parents, they bring up some interesting little points like it may have been a hit. And that completely makes me think of the Court of Owls. And while I don't think they're going to use the Court of Owls specifically... I would love to see them do some sort of Gotham conspiracy thing like the Court of Owls.
1: All right. Um, for the next uh, talked-about premiere um, for Bizarro Files, I'd like to just make a quick mention. Um, Once Upon a Time. So the buzz around this was they were going to integrate Frozen into the Once Upon a Time universe because Disney's like, yeah, let's milk this franchise. Yeah. Hell yeah, that's what you got to do. And I saw the first episode. So you have... Uh, it. It does what Once Upon a Time does. Like You'll go through the events in the present, and then you'll also flashback every now and then to the current story in the fantasy world. In this case, we got to see Arendelle. Um, I just have a couple critiques here. Because when you see the characters in Once Upon a Time, you see them wearing outfits that would work for the real world. When I look at Elsa and Anna... They look like, yeah, we're just cosplayers from, like, a comic-con, and we're just hanging out in Arendelle, yeah. I mean, I did, like, Anna's wedding dress, at least that made sense, but there's just a couple things that just kind of, I don't know, just seemed out of place on that, because Elsa's like, yeah, like, it looks like I picked up this prom dress, and boom, here I am. But I did like the fact that they included Seven, the, uh, snarky reindeer, and, like... Seven? <laughs> yeah.
0: That's seven. Seven.
1: Okay, I, I don't. S V E N. Okay, thank you, white person, for correcting me. Yeah. And then, yeah, I like how they had Sven's uh, snarky personality, even though it was like a, it was a CG, nice-looking reindeer. <laughs> like they kept him snarky, and I did like how Kristoff looked too. Um, he actually did look like he did belong in that world without looking like a cosplayer. It, it's that sort of uncanny value thing you had with Dead or Alive when you're looking at at Ayane. It's like, yeah, that Ayane cosplayer is hot.
0: Yeah, that was was always my joke about that because she has the purple hair and everything. And I'm like, you know, no one has purple hair in real life.
1: Yeah, that was just my impression. But story-wise, it's looking really interesting because we get to find out where exactly and what exactly um, Elsa and Anna's parents were up to when they were on the ship that ultimately led to their death.
0: And led uh, Ariel to find some of their knickknacks.
1: Yeah, so I was just wondering where this story that's a thing. <laughs> where this is going and also I did also like the some little, little hints here and there. Like I did like the scene where Belle and Mr Gold they were moved into their new house and then once they go into the library, you kinda had that scene it's like, oh yeah, I remember when Belle was like saw all the books and she fell in love and then all of a sudden they're dancing in the ballroom outfits that they were in the movie and like yay a little fan service type thing and also the also towards the end we do see the sorcerer princess's hat in that house oh huh because they were like
0: does that mean guy whose name i can't pronounce is going to show up Okay. Uh, Uh, Yen said. Yen said, thank you.
1: Yeah, we don't know. Because they said, like, yeah, because I think Mr. Gold said something along the lines of, like, yeah, I found this house and. And they kind of imply that he needed something in that house. And towards mm. the end, you see him look at this mini-looking cauldron, which looks like the cauldron that Mickey was using in the of Apprentice short animation Fantasia. And you see him conjuring up the hat. Out of all the things in Once Upon a Time, and that was like my Disney fangirl moment. It
0: would be great until we get like, you know, uh transformed Mickey or something like that, a humanoid Mickey in there. That's just going to be weird.
1: Because now the whole status quo of season four is Regina the Evil Queen. Um, she she wants to find the author who wrote all the fairy tales, and she wants to destroy them all. Nice. So she's like, yeah. And I'm like, so you're going to go to Anaheim and look up Disney and his frozen chamber? <laughs>
0: Be great. i don't know where they're gonna go with it'll cause, No, it'll be great it'll cause all this chaos and
1: then sora and friends
0: are gonna have to find the king they'll just be awesome
1: anyway all right so let's talk about some of the animation domination premieres oh
0: man so still waiting for bob's burgers premiere
1: that's gonna be a whole episode of its own and i'll save that for like the end of the episode you'll yeah. you'll know why we're gonna need a whole episode to to dedicate towards it. So, um, Comedy Central, they've just released a new episode of South Park. and yes. Which was awesome. Jared, would you okay. like to talk about the Redskins this, since you are a sports? This coaster.
0: is an f- interesting episode because it's, it's two, two different things they're kind of making fun of. The first is, and the, and the most blatant one is they're making fun of the Redskins where they had their, every year, the Redskins have drama with Native Americans basically saying, change your name. It's freaking racist. And uh, yeah, it kind of is. Um, and they keep saying no. We've had this name for years, and we're sticking with our tradition. Which they could call them the Indians. They could call them the Braves. They could. There's. Ton, they could keep Washington natives. Natives would work. There's tons of names they could use to describe, you know, and keep their whole he'll keep their whole Native American motif. They won't do it for some reason. Uh, and so they're basically playing that through that lawsuit that they had uh, where they lost their trademark and the boys decide to use that trademark to start their own startup company via Kickstarter. Uh, Where their whole plan is, pay us money to do nothing, which I think is awesome because that's a lot of people's plans on Kickstarter, honestly.
1: Yeah, that um potato salad got how much? But it was a really great um insight and commentary towards both issues because I feel that's what South Park does best. Like there's some times like I go on Tumblr and I read all these SJW types of posts, like where in the world is Trey Park and Matt Stone to do a satire on this?
0: Give it time do will do a tumblr episode it'll happen
1: but I, I i enjoyed it again for its witty commentary and also we were watching this on hd via hulu plus and if you pause through like certain things you can see some easter eggs and freeze frame fun like when they're going through their kickstarter page like i had to pause a couple of times to see what they wrote up there to see like see all the perks and also there's a scene where the owner of the of the Washington Redskins was Skype conferencing with all the NFL managers. And, like, you had the pause right there to see, like, every single face they did for every single M- NFL team.
0: Yeah, and also did a kind of a good stand standoff of um, uh, G- Goodell, the commissioner of football, and how he's just a robot. I dug that. Like, the, the Goodell bot's broken again. <laughs> like, yeah, he's, he tends to be. Because um, there's a lot of people right now asking for that guy's head. And, uh,
1: because I was really curious how this season was going to open up, because last season ended on a downer.
0: Yes, yeah, a supreme downer, and one of the best episodes of that series, just for the message and everything.
1: It was a very well done episode, and I, if you haven't seen it, um, the episode I believe is called The Hobbit or something to that effect, and that was kind of like the running joke, but it has, there's a deeper message to it, and I like, even though the ending was a downer, I thought it was a very realistic ending. I don't want to give out spoilers, even though we said this is a spoiler show, but you just need to see that it. One's, that one's a different kind
0: of thing. That's something mm-hmm. where you need to experience that ending properly. Uh, with, with this one, it became, I mean, the premiere episode became fun because then you have the Redskins basically tell, asking the boys, change your name. So you get the irony of having the team who gets always asked to change their name, asking other people who took their name to change their name. Uh, and, and I liked the commentary, and I liked just kind of.
1: And I also liked the twist of events at the end, where yeah. the where the Redskins were going off after the Dallas Cowboys, and you had that metaphor, and I really liked that. I thought that was pretty witty.
0: Yes, having their uh... we fought
1: Eagles, we fought Bears,
0: and just the whole team and how they're responding, and and how uh, how that game ends is just tragic it's and brutal, sad and very brutal.
1: Okay, the other animation premiere was The uh, Simpsons. Yeah. They were hyping up that a character would um, kick the bucket for the season premiere, and everyone was suspecting that it was Krusty, but it ended up being his father. Yeah, it was just kind of weak. Which I'm like, I figure like if you're gonna kill off a character, it's always like one of the lesser like characters that don't really show up a lot in episodes. Like
0: Bleedingham Smurfy appears in two episodes: the episode he's introduced, and the episode he dies.
1: And Dr. Marvin Monroe has an off-screen death question mark.
0: But then he comes back alive at a certain point, and the only reason you know he even was dead is because they go to Marvin Monroe Memorial Hospital, which would imply that Marvin Monroe had died. But then they show him in another episode and Marge says, I thought you were dead. And he's like, I know. And then it just moves on from there. Like, I don't know what if that was supposed to be like a soap opera hit. Because they had that when they're watching whatever the soap opera Marge likes At the point where it's like, Father, Father, you know, whatever, uh, Father Patrick, I thought you were dead. I was, you know, it's just the scene from the random soap she's watching like season two or season three or something. Uh, when, when they had established this little soap orange watches, which I uh, believe the, the whole point of that soap was sexy results.
1: Yeah, anywho, so... Simpsons
0: I, fans folks We dig deep
1: I I've, I honestly didn't really It never f- ends
0: The title of it was It never ends
1: I know I wasn't quite feeling this episode And I know the Simpsons Had like a stronger comeback In recent years um, Since after the movie But I just thought This was one of the weaker um, Premieres yeah, of the Simpsons I gotta
0: agree on that one You're killing off a character Who really wasn't that big of a deal I mean it's cool They got the original uh, They got Judd Hirsch To come back and voice the character Which is kind of cool but there's a lot of stuff in there I felt they could have built around, like Krusty gets roasted by Jeff Ross and Sarah Silverman. I felt there's a lot more they could have done of that roast. Um, Krusty goes through a weird crisis of conscience, but it doesn't really seem to add up to much.
1: Because I just feel like the whole Krusty feeling like he's burnt out on life has been done before and been Multiple done times. to death.
0: Yeah. Multiple times I've covered that. So it didn't feel like anything new, and I, I remember hearing, like, oh, they're going to kill off a character as well, and I was like, well, it'll be a minor character, but hopefully it'll be, you know, hell, they could kill off Grandpa, finally, if they really wanted to, and I think that, yes. w- that would have had a bigger impact on the audience than, oh, right, Krusty's dad.
1: Yeah, I remember him from, um, from from way the, back. being a
0: background character and being voiced in one episode. Yeah, or maybe two episodes.
1: I did like the episode where we get to, got to meet um, Krusty's dad and how Bart got to turn him around at the end, and I thought that was pretty witty.
0: Yeah, the, the import, they did a really good job with that, and it was interesting getting chunks of Krusty's backstory as to uh, what his father wanted him to do versus what he ended up doing himself. Um, this episode just, yeah, it was just kind of weak, and it, really forgettable. I think that's the worst part of it, is where I'm sitting here and we watched it earlier and I'm sitting there going like, what else happened in that episode?
1: I mean, you had the weird couch gag that felt like an art song. I I dug the couch gag. It was done by
0: Dan, uh, what's his name? It's
1: the guy who did the Oscar winning short film Rejected. My spoon is too big. Was that Oscar winning? Yeah, I found out it was Oscar winning. That's awesome. Uh, I I love Rejected.
0: Uh, Definitely go look that up. It's easy to find. That thing was going around everywhere. It's only like 10 minutes. And there's way worse things you could watch for 10 minutes. And he he did it, and it was really strange. All the exact same strange, like, weird, like, voices that make no sense, saying stuff that makes even less sense. Um, And just the weird scribbly art style. And I dug that, and that's probably the major highlight of the episode, Just kind of sad. Because it's just one of those, like, what was the
1: B-plot in this? (laughs) It was Lisa worrying about Homer. Oh, yeah, Homer But even that's forgettable.
0: Yeah, I forgot about that. Yeah, it has one good joke at the end payoff, but other than that, that didn't really go anywhere. It just felt so bland and so weak. It felt like one of those, like, pre-movie, post-good season episodes. True.
1: Because I think they spent more time working on the Family Guy and Simpsons crossover. and That ended up being an hour-long special, and I thought that was going to be the premiere of The Simpsons for this season. Um, it would be a combo thing with Family Guy being their premiere and also the Simpsons premiere.
0: Yeah, I, I, when I heard it was an hour, I'm like, oh, right, the first half hour will be a Simpsons episode and the second half hour will be a Family Guy episode. And uh, no, it was just one really long Family Guy episode.
1: Yeah, I didn't want to spoil myself on it. I didn't want to like read too much in it because honestly, I'm not a huge Family Guy fan because I just think a lot of jokes are very mean-spirited and oh, I enjoy a lot of blue humor. Like I'm, a, I'm still a huge South Park fan, but I don't know, Family Guy just seems very to, to be very mean-spirited and we'll go into more well, detail It's, it's on mean-spirited
0: that. and formulaic is the other really problem of it. And the issue i had two issues going into this uh one is the art styles are going to clash horribly thank god they did um so i was right on that one but the second issue is the writing uh for those who don't know the kind of non-hollywood people here the writing staff for the simpsons is lovingly called the harvard mafia a term they are not they do not like because the mafia has a code of honor um, that's that's the running joke. Basically, it's a, a lot of snobby people, many of which are from the East Coast, and a lot of nepotism, but they're usually highly educated, and that's why The Simpsons tends to be a bit smarter of the way it approaches things. Not always. And, and bear in mind, I mean, you had some great seasons in the early days with a whole different set of people. It's a rotating set of writers, so things change. People are in, people are out. I mean... Heck, I think, uh, I know, I'm fairly certain Andy Richter was a writer, and I think so was Conan O'Brien at one point.
1: Conan O'Brien was, um, prominent in the earlier seasons, but Mike Reese, he's still the producer of the show, and he's also been known for being the producer and writer of The Crit- Critic and Queer Duck.
0: Yes, both of which are also awesome. I highly recommend watching reruns of both those shows if you have the chance. Uh, plus, heck, we used to use the, did we use the baseball song for the- Yes. Yes, we used baseball the baseball is gay. song. Baseball's gay. Um. Uh, But getting back to this, so they have this much more, like, they will do occasional physical comedy, but you don't see The Simpsons acting blue other than Bart saying damn every once in a while, which was always the big controversial thing back in, like, the early 90s when that show started. Bart says swear words. He says hell and damn. It's, like... No big deal now. No big deal now. But at, at the time, it was a big thing. The family guy is basically Seth MacFarlane and a bunch of his friends who, like, fart jokes. Like... That's basically what it is. I'm like, you have two writers' rooms who are gonna clash just on the fact that one side is snobs and the other side is blue collar comedy tour. And that becomes kind of problematic.
1: Cause I didn't really think they were gonna do this because I was gonna be like, well, are the, are the Griffins going to look like The Simpsons like they did with the Critic crossover?
0: Yeah, Critic just can't yeah, Jay Sherman just got yellow skin.
1: I will I, I will admit that I did like the setup for the episode because it reminds me of Tumblr SJWs in a yeah, way.
0: Yeah, there was a whole story they could have gone with just that opening onto something, which makes me think that that may have been the opening to some other episode, and then they're like, oh, we gotta do The Simpsons crossover, uh, and then they leave town, you know, and I'm just like, oh, okay. Uh, but the general premise begins with peter griffin uh sees bad uh little uh, cartoons in the newspaper and says i could do better than that and then leaves the house instantly comes back and he's like i did better than that and now i'm writing cartoons for the newspaper and shows off his cartoon which has some sort of stupid joke and then it goes through a little bit of the show as it would be regular and occasionally showing his comics as he goes through and eventually he has a comic where it's a police officer, a man, and a dead woman. And the man goes, uh, my dishwasher is broken. And it shows kind of the, it's the dead wife on the table. And that pisses off a lot of people on the internet. So I'm like, oh, we're going to do a whole, you know, That's Tumblr. That's a few
1: bloggers. That's what Peter said. Yeah, he said
0: it's just a few bloggers. It's not like people on the internet get upset over the tiniest little things.
1: <laughs>
0: it's a nice little commentary there. And I was expecting
1: that. I thought that was pretty witty.
0: And I'm like, you could make a whole episode just built around that. Uh. But I think
1: South Park would handle it much more classier and funnier, but that's just me. Yes, I will agree with that.
0: And then eventually, uh, they start getting bricks and stuff thrown at the house as he keeps upping his game with his comics, and they have to leave town, and they randomly stumble into Springfield, which still pushes my belief that it's Springfield, Mass. Even though I don't think Springfield, Mass actually has a nuclear power plant, I still believe it's Springfield, Mass. Plus, if it's written by the Harvard Mafia... Why wouldn't they make fun of West, West Massachusetts?
1: i Mass- I, you and I have made jokes about Western Massachusetts from here, capital city, Boston.
0: Yep. There, there's a lot of little things you could go for that conspiracy.
1: And then again, when you think about it, I, I have this weird funky belief that Shelbyville must be some Northern Mass border town between Vermont and the Massachusetts border.
0: Yes. Because of this, the marrying your own cousin thing. Vermont is icky. It's uh, known for its maple syrup. and I hear they have cheese, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, it's, it's, like, it's like our own mini Canada. But, you know, more redneck. Canada's not really redneck. They're just kind of like, you know... Some They're friendly. Folk. They're friendly folk. And they have poutine. Yeah. And they, they gave us awesome actors like Michael J. Fox. Anywho, getting
1: and back Wim to Scheme. the uh, Family Guy Simpsons crossover.
0: So then the Griffins' car gets stolen, and they run into Homer Simpson and Homer Simpson in his traditional Homer Simpson ways like stay at our house because I'm Homer Simpson and I don't think things through. And then you just have hijinks of all the various characters interacting with each other. Uh, For better and worse. Some things I think worked out really well. Um, Some things I think were not that good at all. (sighs) Um,
1: Well, I... (sighs) Even though I, I really... One of the things I don't like about Family Guy is... I just don't like how Meg gets shat on all the time. Yeah. And I was hoping, like, finally... Like, yeah, like... Because I'm such a huge Lisa Simpson fan... Like, yeah, maybe they'll get along. Maybe they'll f- see... see, You know, like... Because you and I have, have had this theory that Lisa Simpson... Um, tends to have depression. And then like, maybe they could kind of see each other... Each other through each other or something like that. And then... She, Lisa finds out, like, oh, Meg is great at the sax. And then, like, towards the end, uh, Peter Griffin just throws away her the saxophone and, like... Butthead. I don't know. it. Meg is an unlikable character. She's not one of my favorites, but... I don't know. It just annoys me that she gets shat on a lot.
0: Well, the whole point is that that's supposed to be funny. That he treats his daughter terribly, and that's supposed to be funny. And I guess if you come from a really crappy household, like me and most of my friends... You don't find, like, verbal abuse of children funny. So, uh, yeah, there's that. And it's weird because you go to, like, some of the earlier seasons, and they didn't really have that. Like, they'd make fun of her every once in a while, but it was, like, just, like, a random joke about her having, like... Like, Chris Griffin, in one episode, makes a reference to her having, like, a mustache. And she's like, I don't have a mustache, do I, Mom? And oh, honey, it makes you look dignified. I'd keep it. You know, it's something like that. And it was a minor little joke, but it wasn't like, hey, we're just going to, like, throw rocks at Meg because we're bored, which is basically what the show turned into, which is really weird and horrible.
1: Yeah, that's what I mean about, like, how Family Guy just seems to, like, get off its humor through mean-spiritedness. A
0: lot of its jokes have just have that in general, not just the stuff aimed towards Meg.
1: Uh, and also, I like the contrast between Stewie and Bart, yeah. And it just shows you, like... Because when The Simpsons aired, Bart was getting a lot of criticisms. because, like, yeah, he's not a good role model, blah, blah, blah. I never saw Bart as that kind of... I just saw Bart more as a streetwise kid and who's... I don't know. I just thought he was just a really fun character. He's, he's,
0: a, he's the fun-loving delinquent you'll come across in a lot of sitcoms, especially if, you know, especially if you go back to like the 70s and stuff, like in the 60s, where they had the more fun-loving Dennis the Menace slingshot, you know... Running around, causing some trouble for his neighbors, uh, delinquent—not the I'm going to blow you up like you know Stewie kind of does—and a nice little contrast there about just how violent and like how cruel and evil Stewie is versus Bart and his kind of just fun-loving pranks.
1: Which is why um to why I will defend that Moe's prank call scene because you need that joke in there to show the contrast between Bart and Stewie.
0: Yeah. Yeah, and that was that was the one joke that supposedly was gonna be the big controversial one, and I'm like, I'm pretty sure that like the uh, my dishwasher is dead, and then the uh, my vacuum cleaner is dead uh, jokes I think kind of I think take priority over that one, but they did a really good job juxtaposing those two characters. You know, you, you see Bart skateboarding around, looking all cool, and you see Stewie like slowly sliding next to him on a skateboard and he's like, Wow, we should just be friends and Bart's like okay, whatever.
1: The other thing I liked about this episode, it had like quite a few made a moments, especially in the courtroom scene where you see kind of the characters kind of look like each other and kind of draw parallels with each other and at the same time they're talking about copyright infringement or intellectual property. Intellectual
0: property uh law with uh Duff duff beer suing Pawtucket Brewery.
1: And you have Fred Flintstone as a judge, and I thought, I was like, whoa, this is meta. And then towards the end, you had like the epic chicken man fight, yeah, but it, Homer versus Peter Griffin.
0: They did a chicken fight with Homer and Peter Griffin, and it, it is just as over the top, uh, possibly even more so than any Family Guy one. It won. goes
1: in Dragon Ball Z yes. territory.
0: Homer and Peter Hulk out, and then have a Dragon Ball Z fight. It it is freaking amazing, and then little uh, little really harsh references that were clearly probably written by the Family Guy staff with uh, say hello to Mod Flanders, um, and I was just like, ooh, that's that's not cool, man. Uh, and and there were a few Family Guy, a lot of the jokes were Family Guy style jokes. You do not get a lot of Simpsons style jokes in there, like the Simpsons style jokes is Bart's prank call and stuff like that, but there's a lot of lines said by Kerry Car- and there's a one where. Uh they, they see a man who you think who kinda looks like Homer and you think that's the moment where Homer's voice came from but then Homer actually shows up and I'm like, Okay that's a family guy that's a that's a that's an actual Simpsons joke, but there's a lot more family guy meaner humor that the simpsons just clash against significantly
1: but i really do think like more effort in regards to the simpsons staff was put here for the premiere versus the simpsons premiere probably because they had to rewrite
0: the hell out of stuff to keep the simpsons characters from getting character assassination
1: But overall, I did enjoy this. It was it was entertaining, but if I had to choose between which would have been my favorite crossover between the two, um, between this and the critic one, I still enjoy the critic one immensely. The
0: critic one's more fun because you can keep the humor of the critic in The Simpsons' verse. You could believe that those horrible Rainier Wolfcastle movies exist in the same world that Jay Sherman exists in. And that's why when you have Jay Sherman interviewing Rainier Wolfcastle, it totally works. Um, and both interestingly enough both crossovers have a scene where a character makes fun of cartoon crossovers in the critic one bart simpson's watching tv and it's like up next the flintstones meet the jetsons he's like oh good another crappy cartoon crossover can't wait to watch that and then homer walks in and it's like bart simpson meet jay sherman the critic and in the family guy one uh, you, it's All in the Family and Modern Family, I think. Yeah, it's All in the Family and Modern Family, which instantaneously shows the crossover uh, of, of just how they clash terribly. Where Modern Family is offering hummus, and it, um, Archie Bunker makes a hummus joke, and then Stewie goes into a long diatribe about how how desperate and how sad it is when something has to do a crossover because it's usually trying to gain fans back or get new fans, things like that, and. Basically, Brian trying to shut him up because it's more or less making fun of the fact that um, Simpsons may have been gaining some popularity back, and Family Guy might be losing some pop- popularity, um, which is well deserved on both both cases. Simpsons has been generally stronger uh, this premiere, notwithstanding, and Family Guy has generally gotten a lot worse. And you can just go back and watch the first three, four seasons and just enjoy those for what they are, and forget that the later seasons even exist
1: okay um and just to kind of top it off with animation um we did see the first couple episodes of gravity falls um the second season which premiered on disney last august and we have a new status quo here wherein we dipper and mabel want to find out the secrets behind the books because
0: yeah, who created them how many books there are in total
1: So you have like this ongoing storyline that's been occurring, and it's really interesting to see how it goes. And the first couple of episodes, they've just been a lot of fun. I love the golf, uh, the mini golf, um, gnomes. That was a fun one. For
0: even for though they're trying to still, you know, they have this kind of overarching plot, they still have episodes where they're going to have their random. I guess, Monster of the Week, for lack of a better analogy. But there's still fun Monster of the Week episodes. I love the, the, was, it, was, it the was it the premiere one is the one with uh, the dating sim that comes to life? That's actually
1: um, episode four. The premiere oh. one was the zombie one, you know, for oh. kids. Yeah, the zombie episode where zombies' heads
0: are just exploding. And I'm like, Disney, you know. It's, it's just crazy how dark and how kind of violent the show is. And yet Disney seems to be perfectly cool with it my general theory behind that is that the, sh- the Disney knows who the audience for this show is and it's people in their twenties and thirties who freaking just love the insanity of this show uh, versus say uh, another Disney show, Phineas and Ferb. God, I don't want to see the Phineas and Ferb gravity falls crossover. <laughs> don't do that. Just don't back. Um, St. Ferb is very much a family show, and it's always gonna be lighthearted and fun, and little kids love it, as do adults.
1: I really do think um, a lot of the in jokes of Gravity Falls that people in our generation would get are very subtle, but I think they still can be enjoyed by like general audiences. But when you watch the um, the dating sim girlfriend episode, like you know that's based off <laughs> off like an arrow game and combined with the Terminator. <laughs>
0: Yes, it, it, it makes for a very fun episode, and it's nice to see Seuss actually kind of do something in the show. You don't get a lot of Seuss-focused episodes, uh, at least in the first season. We had maybe one, and I know I like Seuss as a character. He's fun, plus he has a name that isn't even a real name.
1: But otherwise, it's really fun to see where this is all going to go, and can see Mabel's many different um, sweaters throughout the whole season. Yep,
0: and Waddles is still around.
1: Yay, Waddles. I want Waddles plushie.
0: Yep. And I really like this, and I'm looking forward to seeing how this season's going to progress. It's nice to be able to have kind of a a lighter show like that. That's a kid face a kids show in quotations. That's still really fun to watch, as opposed to other kids shows we were watching and have since stopped because they got terrible.
1: Yeah, I'm really looking forward to where this is going to all go. Um, Bob's Burger still has yet to premiere. It'll be premiering this Sunday, and, this and I think cl- Rebels is starting.
0: Now-ish, too.
1: Okay, so we... At some point in September, Rebel starts. All right, and I guess we will have another fall TV episode. American Horror Story opens up in two weeks. Yep. It'll be the freak show version. And um, the one thing about um, Bob's Burgers, who I mentioned earlier in the episode, why we're probably going to need a whole episode for it.
0: Mm Mm-hmm. (sighs)
1: <sighs> they're, um, so the school the kids go to, they're having two rival musicals. Um, Jean has his own musical, and I guess the girl who had the bar mitzvah is also working on her musical. Oh, they're bringing her back. Yes, and I believe she, her version of, of her um, school musical is Working Girl. Okay. Jean's music, musical is, um, your favorite Christmas movie.
0: Die Hard? yeah. Die Hard the Musical. Yeah. How is that not premiered on Broadway? Mm-hmm. I don't know how you would do that, though.
1: But we'll have to find out for when the Bob's Burgers appears. I'm
0: McLean's best friend. My name is Ellis. You gotta trust me. No, I don't.
1: Knowing Gene, there's going to be a lot of farts in this one. Oh, yeah.
0: But, man, Bob's Burgers is one of those shows that we just decided to rediscover and love during the summer. We,
1: uh, first, I saw the um, the episode because I was kind of curious. Someone alluded to it on Facebook, it's like, "Yeah, this episode really is really all about the Bronies." I'm like, I'm curious, and I watched and like, why am I now just watching Bob's Burgers? I think my
0: first episode for that was probably the food truck episode. Um, I'd probably had seen clips of the show, but the first one I ever sat all the way through was food truck, and I love the food truck episode. <laughs>
1: I think for the first um, few seasons, the crude animation kind of turned me off. But I
0: think it turned off a lot of people.
1: But then I just started watching this episode. I was like, hey, I, I really like these characters. And a lot of the people who are involved in Bob's Burgers were, are on Archer. And I can only take so much of Archer. Like, I do enjoy that show, but I feel like every episode, it just it's more of the same. But with you, this
0: one... I need to show you Archer Vice. We'll skip ahead to Archer Vice. Okay. And you can watch from there.
1: But I really feel like Bob's Burgers... I really feel that's our best animated sitcom we have right now. As much as I love the Simpsons, I think I like it only because of nostalgia. And I still think the Simpsons is p- still pretty strong, even for today. But I think when it comes to originality and with the Keiko's Bob's Burgers.
0: Well, especially because all the characters have such distinctive personalities that even though you do the whole, oh, it's a standard sitcom family, it is, but they're so distinct and they go off on such different tangents and plus I really dig the fact that they have the awkward teenager who has awkward teenager feelings. And I what? you really don't see that too often. Usually it's like the the boy who's like way too pervy. But I like seeing the girl who's also going through the same awkward teenage phase and writing fanfiction about it. Zombie fanfiction. Hells yes. What other kind is there? Pony zombie fanfiction. She does that as well. A zombie pony or zombie horse, whatever it's called.
1: Anyway, this has been another edition of the Bizarro Files. Jared, would you like to sign us out?
0: Yeah, this is Jared for Scarlet saying keep it bizarre because it's hip to be square. And we outro with cash money. Hell yeah. Cash money. I don't know what to intro with still.